From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Well, good morning and a very freezing morning here. I'm Graham VK0BB, actually VK4BB. We're transmitting live from Canberra on the 100th anniversary of the WIA. We're using the call sign VK100WIA, which this weekend is being used right throughout uh, Canberra by the members of the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club. As I said, I'm Graham VK4BB. We've got a, uh, a bevy of, well, not actually beauties, but a bevy of board members here to uh, tell us what's going on, not only this weekend, but throughout the last 12 months of this year. Now, we'll kick it off. We've got, uh, sitting alongside of me, and also this uh, broadcast, not only the first attempt at uh, doing something live, it's also going out on uh, Melbourne's ATV repeater. So, uh, those of you in Melbourne, there's a wave for you. Eight o'clock on uh, Wednesday night. Okay, we've got uh, our Vice President of the Wireless Institute of Australia with us. That's Ewan McLeod. Good morning, Ewan. Morning, Graham. I understand you've got something to say about the WIA Club Grant Scheme. Uh, yes, we have. Uh, once again, the WIA is requesting amateur radio clubs and groups submit applications for the ever-popular Club's Grant Scheme. Friday the 30th of July is the closing date for applications for the WIA Club Grant Scheme for 2010. Now, full details of the 2010 rules for the scheme can be obtained from the WIA website together with a template for setting out the suggested application headings for an executive summary identifying how the club seeks to meet the objectives of the scheme and guidance regarding supporting documentation. What, uh, what are the objectives of the scheme? Uh, the primary objective of the scheme is to promote and advance amateur radio, the WIA and its affiliated clubs by supporting useful and or innovative projects undertaken or to be undertaken by affiliated clubs. So how are the applications received by the uh, cut-off on the 30th of July this year actually assessed? Well, the Club Grants Committee, comprising well-known and respected amateurs, will recommend to the board the projects that should be supported and the amount to be allocated to each supported project. However, the final decisions rest with the WIA board. Okay. Uh, Affiliated clubs are also encouraged to participate in this opportunity and might be discouraged by past unsuccessful proposals. However, Graham, it is most important that clubs read the rules very carefully. As uh, all clubs always do, and as I do there. Okay, uh, thanks there, Ewan. Now, also uh, with us is the WIA Secretary, Jeff Atkinson, VK3AFA. Good morning there, Jeff. Yes, good morning, Graham. I've got some news from the WIA Bookshop. The Bookshop operates from the WIA offices in Bayswater, providing direct sales to members who attend the office as well as servicing online and mail order requests. We carry a broad range of ARRL and RSGB publications, along with the Foundation Licence Manual, Radio Theory Handbook by Fred Swainston, Drew Diamond's Technical Projects and the Annual Callbook. We also have a range of merchandise featuring both WIA regular and WIA centenary logos, polos, vests, shirts, jackets, caps and bucket hats all of which can be viewed on the WIA website. Now let me introduce Mel Brooks, VK3 FDSL, our new WIA manager who looks after the bookshop along with the volunteers. Welcome, Mel. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning. This is Mel Brooks, VK3 FDSL. 
The bookshop is a valuable service to members and we endeavour to provide competitively priced products whilst being mindful of exchange rates and freight costs, both of which contribute to fluctuating prices and impact our profitability. We'll be adding new books from the ARRL and RSGB in the near future and we encourage you to look out for them on the bookshop webpage. Thanks, Mel. Now I also have some news on the National Inwards QSL Bureau. Following the introduction of changes to the Inwards QSL Bureau operation, I'm pleased to provide a brief update. We've received positive feedback from a number of overseas bureaus now that they only have to send cards to one address in Australia, and consequently we've received parcels from a variety of these overseas bureaus, the largest arriving last week with 9 kilos of cards from Spain. These cards are usually sorted within 24 hours of receipt and sent on to the state QSL managers for further distribution to members. We have noted that some cards have QSOs dating back into the 90s, and many are for special event call signs activated within Australia over past years, as well as more recent events. We believe the changes made are helping members receive their cards more quickly. Thank you, Graham. Okay, thanks there, uh, Jeff. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Surge down in uh, Mount Gambier sent us uh, some news on their upcoming uh, conference, their convention that they've had for many, many a year down there. So let's hear a little bit more about what's happening down there. Good morning. This is Charles, VK5HD. The South East Radio Group are having their annual convention on Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th of June at the Margaret Street Scout Hall, behind the Mount Gambier Police Station. This year we've made a few changes. The Scout Hall will now open at 12 noon on Saturday. The first fox hunting event starts at 11am on the Saturday. We have the canteen open with hot food and drinks, commercial displays, the popular homebrew contest, pre-loved equipment and lucky door prizes from Icom and Yesu. Come along and see Surge celebrating the WIA centenary with the call sign VK100WIA. For more information or to book a table, look at our website. To get there, just Google Surge. That's S-E-R-G and follow the links to the convention pages. Hope to see you there. Okay, we certainly uh, will. As we said, this is VK100WIA. It's live from Canberra on the 100th anniversary of the Wireless Institute of Australia, formed back in Sydney in the good year 1910. Now joining us is Philip Adams, one of our directors, VK3JNI, and Philip's here to tell us about a new look, WIA National Field Day. Yes, thank you very much. Um, on Saturday, the 23rd of October, amateur operators from all over Australia will be showcasing the amateur radio in uh, prominent locations in their local areas. The recommended operating hours for the National Field Day are between 0900 hours to 2100 hours Eastern Daylight Time. This is a new activity to Australia and it'll be a good opportunity for operators to break out their field day equipment, demonstrate national preparedness, show your favourite modes of operation and add a little colour and movement to engage the public. Clubs are encouraged to start identifying possible locations for your station. You should start discussing the possibility of running a National Field Day station with property managers. In some cases, approvals may take some time, so an early start is recommended. The National Field Day Committee, consisting of Paul, VK5PH, Fred, VK3DAC, 
Jared VK5ZQ, are interested in your views on items such as field day clothing, would you like a cheap and cheerful T-shirt, or something more substantial such as a knitted shirt with a collar, long sleeve shirt with a pocket, or even a fleecy vest? Would you like to see online programming, sorry, online logging program, so you could see what modes and frequencies other stations are running and working? Have you an idea for a slogan or logo for the National Field Day? For more information, please keep an eye on the contest pages of the WIA website or contact the committee via email nfd at wia.org.au. Thanks, Philip. It uh, certainly does sound exciting. Nothing like a field day, which is exactly what uh, we set out to do here with our broadcast uh, in a park in Canberra in the middle of winter. And I'm really glad that uh, Robert Broomhead had this great idea of doing that broadcast, but then taking it a step further and moving it inside here to where we're sitting at the moment, air-conditioned in the uh, VK100 radio room at the, uh, at the hotel. Now, at the hotel last night was our anniversary dinner, and this was really something, uh, it just knocked me out, with the overseas visitors, the, our special guests, and I think uh, capping it off was the ARIS contact with astronaut Tracy Caldwell-Dyson, KF5DBF, speaking from space to this weekend's WIA centenary dinner in Canberra. On behalf of the International Space Station crew and NASA, I extend our warm congratulations to the Wireless Institute of Australia on reaching 100 years. The WIA began in 1910 at a time when we could not communicate around the world using radio. About a decade later, radio amateurs had developed worldwide radio communications. Among the many other contributions of radio amateurs over the years include space communications. The first amateur satellite was launched in 1961, just four years after Sputnik 1. There are advanced and ambitious plans by AMSAT to send amateur satellites into the orbits of Venus and Mars. All very interesting indeed. I'll now stand by for the questions. Okay, uh, go ahead for the first question then. Hi there, my name is Jordan. What, in your opinion, is the most interesting experiment that has been conducted on the International Space Station? Over. Jordan, it's hard to say which is the most interesting because there's so many of them and they're interesting for different reasons. But some that I find fascinating are the human research experiments, trying to understand our bodies in space, and also the uh, ones that involve growing plants and seeing how Well, there we were, the uh, broadcast from last night, live from space to our 100th AGM. As I said, there were many special guests from around the world, including the patron of the WIA centenary itself, Mr. Dick Smith. Now, Dick certainly does know how to work a room. He uh, he had us all uh, in raptures, I think, it'd uh, it'd be the, the word. But the other good thing was that uh, I did notice that uh, at the end of the uh, night, he went up and personally shook every one of those uh, children's hands that had uh, spoken uh, to space. And uh, Dick spoke to us at that dinner. Mr. Dick Smith, thank you. Thanks very much. It's indeed an honour to be the patron of the Wireless Institute of Australia. In my 20 minutes, 
I'd love to be talking to you, by the way, about adventure, and maybe we can do that tomorrow at lunchtime, because many of you would know that in my flights around the world, I've used amateur radio, especially the very first flight solo in the helicopter. And if you remember, it was the time of the Cold War in 83, and I had to land on a ship between Japan and Alaska. And uh, we used amateur there radio is. all that day. Many Dick Smith, VK2DIK, speaking at the 100th anniversary dinner of the Wireless Institute of Australia. I'm Graham, VK4BB. This is VK100WIA. And with us is the president of the Wireless Institute of Australia. An honoured position at the best of times, but certainly as we reach 100. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Graham, and thanks very much indeed. Uh, I thought you might be interested in a, a couple of matters that uh, I uh, mentioned during the actual annual general meeting as pretty current news. Um, first of all, I was able to tell, tell the meeting that I had been assured by ACMA that the changes necessary to the amateur LCD to enable use of the LF band without seeking a variation of a licence and some other technical changes were now at very long last being addressed. I also announced uh, another matter. Uh, the Australian Communications and Media Authority has cancelled an amateur station licence following an investigation that uncovered continuing breaches of the licence. In this case, the breaches included causing interference to other stations, failing to use a call sign and transmitting an unmodulated carrier. The ACMA made the decision to cancel the amateur licence when other compliance and enforcement measures had failed. The ACMA says in their report that every effort had been made to assist, encourage and educate the licensee to understand the importance of compliance with licence conditions. Despite repeated warnings, the ACMA found the non-compliance uh, continued over an extended period of time. I know it's very unusual for amateurs to uh, ignore their obligation to comply with the law, but there have been, in fact, cases of extreme behaviour that has required enforcement action, and the WIA welcomes the action taken by the ACMA. Frankly, it's good, Graham, to see that the ACMA is prepared to act, and I think other matters are also being investigated. Final point, many people have uh, asked that with the digital dividend, the closing of the uh, analogue television stations, more particularly the closure of the uh, Channel O uh, tran television transmitters, what about the amateur band 50, 52 megahertz? Currently, the focus has been on the 700 megahertz part of the uh, spectrum that is being freed up. But uh, in this month's AR, the comment is a copy of the letter the WIA has sent to the authority seeking uh, reinstatement of the amateur band 5052 megahertz on the closure of Channel O transmitters. Thanks, Graham. Thank you, Michael. This is VK100WIA. We're broadcasting live with the directors from the 100th anniversary of the Wireless Institute of Australia. We're joined now by Peter Young. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, listeners. 
Um, the ACMA has flagged some changes to the UHF uh, spectrum and on uh, Friday the 30th of April this year the Australian Communications and Media Authority, the ACMA, released its third discussion paper on the replanning arrangements for the 400 megahertz spectrum. A copy of the paper can be found on the ACMA website. The WIA provided detailed submissions to the two previous papers in respect to the <coughs> centimetre amateur UHF band allocations in the 400 to 420 megahertz spectrum. The WIA is also a member of the Radio Communications Consultative Committee 400 megahertz working group. The 400 to uh, 520 MHz spectrum is one of the most congested pieces of spectrum in Australia and to provide even more uh, expanding, for expanding needs, uh, this spectrum will be divided into 12.5 kHz channeling segments. The rearrangements will now uh, allow harmonised spectrum for government users across Australia. The latest uh, ACMA uh, paper has confirmed that the segment between 430 to 440 MHz is out of scope for the purposes of the replanning exercise. Within this band, the amateur service is a secondary user to defence and these arrangements will continue into the future. To accommodate uh, government user requirements, the existing amateur secondary allocation in the 420 to 430 MHz has been withdrawn. This has already occurred in a number of states already. To assist in the transitional arrangements, which may take many years to complete, the ACMA has suggested that the amateur secondary allocation in 440 to 450 MHz may be used on a temporary basis from time to time. Uh, this arrangement has occurred in the past and is only an option. In response to the paper, the WIA will be seeking further information on these arrangements. The closing date for the comments is 6th of June. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, uh, Peter. VK100 WIA and live from Canberra. Jim Linton. Jim's uh, been up and about already this morning, went for a jog through the rain. He's uh, been down there to uh, the newspaper stand and uh, picked up a copy of the Canberra, Canberra Times, as I believe it is. And we're not to talk about the cold shower. Yes, the, uh, the Canberra Times uh, ran a story about uh, our WIA centenary dinner and in particular the um, contact with the International Space Station. Big weekend in Canberra, says the headline. And that's an understatement. If I may read just a bit. Students connect with the astronaut. Ten Trinity Christian School students literally enjoyed an out-of-world experience last night speaking with an astronaut on board the International Space Station. The students attending the Wireless Institute of Australia Centenary Dinner were connected by the wonders of modern technology to Tracy Caldwell Dyson. The story goes on, Graham, and interviews two of the 12 year, 12, year 12 students and about their experience in space, uh, in, in communicating with space. Um, this really put to, uh, put to a test for me uh, the WIA media kit, Graham, and uh, we able, were able to score uh, this weekend uh, news items and interviews on three Canberra radio stations as well as this wonderful article. It is. It's, uh, it's really good. And that media kit uh, that's out there, I uh, certainly urge all the clubs to uh, to make use of it because this is only the uh, the uh, AGM weekend. 
the celebrations do go on right throughout the year. And congratulations, Graham, for this live broadcast. Thanks, Jim. And uh, now with a, uh, a live broadcast, uh, normally we speak to this uh, this fellow from uh, the great land over to the uh, the west of us. It's uh, Bob Bristow, and uh, he's certainly well known in the Jota world. Good morning there. Morning, Graham. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about the uh, the future of amateur radio, and uh, um, it's full of old people like myself and a few others around the place who are uh, a little old, a little younger. And um, Scouts is one of the um, um, uh, ways by which we can introduce new people to it. And uh, we introduce Scouts to uh, amateur radio with the uh, annual Jamboree in the Air activity, and um, which is the largest, largest uh, international event conducted by Scouts. It's in October. We do appreciate the generous support of amateur radio operators, and uh, we look forward to receiving that report, uh, that support, uh, in future. And uh, this year, I've uh, been um, fortunate to be able to get some some funding to put together a team to um, uh, collect uh, program ideas to make the jamboree on the air weekend more interesting and more meaningful for young people. And um, we're in that process now of collecting information, and we'll be. Uh, collating that in July and distributing that to uh, to scout groups, so that they can uh, make a better weekend for their scouts or for the young people, and of course the guides. Um, they're very interested in our project as well. And uh, an- another interesting aspect of training young people uh, in amateur radio is that uh, my observation is we tend in scouts, especially, to pull kids out of non-radio, uh, non-amateur radio families and um, then they don't seem to get on air very much. So um, we've pulled together this uh, radioactive award for Scouts. We're running it over the whole month of July, and uh, uh, the aim of it is to get Scouts on air and to contact other uh, Scouts on radio around Australia over the whole month to earn enough points to get a a bronze, silver or gold award. And uh, in the middle of that, we'll be running a a QSO-a-thon on uh, the 9th and 10th and 11th of July, uh, where they can get on air for all or part of the weekend and earn more points and double up some points. We've had some uh, very good interest, including a, uh, um, I've had some emails from, uh, it was Mawson based, I think, in Antarctica. Um, they really want to take part in this thing. The trouble is they don't have any scouts or amateur radio operators there, but we'll get around that. Um, so thank you very much, uh, Amateur Radio World, for your support of uh, scouts and amateur radio and scouts. Thank you, Graham. And thank you, uh, Bob. I guess we could call this a bit of an ambush uh, happening uh, right now. I'm in a room here with one heck of a lot of uh, directors, and I think that um, it, uh, most of them know that I'm always chasing them up to, uh, to appear on this WIA news. So uh, we're very lucky to have you all here. I knew that they were going to, uh, to turn up because... As I said, we're in this in this hotel room. I did have, though, just just in case, a lot of our normal news. And I'm looking across here at Peter Ellis, VK1PE. And uh, no, actually, Peter, I'm sorry, he's just moving up to the microphone with the script I've given him. But we're not going to have time for that. And John, VK2JJW, who is in the back there, we've got a lot of our regular readers. And I'm really sorry, guys, but uh, time is going to get away from us. We've only got about seven minutes left of this uh, this broadcast. As I said also, it's uh, going out on uh, Melbourne's ATV, and uh, hopefully not in uh, 3D. 
But uh, and and also there wasn't a makeup artist. And uh, with uh, Bob, Phil, and I sitting here and looking around the room, we many of us have exactly the same hairstyle. <laughs> All right, VK one hundred WIA BPL and standards activity. Phil White. Thanks, Graham. Hello, listeners. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to talk about about BPL and standards. Um, wide area access BPL appears to have all but vanished from the Australian telecommunications landscape. Also, smart metering trials in Australia appear to have bypassed BPL in favour of other technologies, predominantly wireless technologies. However, my guess is that in-house BPL is likely to become a major issue for us here in Australia. In-house BPL modems are now being supplied by a number of retailers and in-house BPL may possibly find application as part of the mix for the in-home distribution of entertainment services supplied over the future NBN. For instance, in the UK at the moment, more than one million pairs of in-home BPL modems have been installed by British Telecom, with large numbers of interference complaints to their regulator Ofcom. The WIA continues to be an extremely active participant in Standards Australia. The International CISPA BPL Working Group, in which Standards Australia has been also a very active participant, has now been has not been able to reach any consensus on the BPL issue. The time frame allowed is five years, and this is, I think, the second or third time they've been through that five-year process. So CISPA's work on BPL has now ceased. This is not particularly good news for Amateur Radio because... Without a CISPA standard, BPL manufacturers are more likely to adopt other industry-developed standards, for instance from Etsy or Senelec, and those standards are likely to be less favourable to amateur radio. Um, i particularly like to thank the BPL working group members throughout the year, Justin Giles-Clark, Fred Johnson from New Zealand, Keith Malcolm, Gilbert Hughes, David Wardlaw, Barry White, and of course Peter Young for their efforts over a quiet year, but I think it really is probably about to wind up again. Thank you, uh, thank you, Phil. Okay, uh, now we also, uh, when we ran through the uh, list of people here, uh, Robert Broomhead, who has done such a magnificent job for the weekend, um, was also uh, awarded uh, the Chris Jones Award, and uh, that was uh, very well received by everybody in the room because he certainly has done a magnificent uh, job, Robert. Uh, he's also... Uh, operating the uh, station here, VK100WIA, uh, this morning. Um, we also, uh, while we've got you uh, here, Phil, on emergency communications, would you...? Yes. Um, several years ago, uh, Graham, the WIA, uh, the, the WIA board formed an opinion that a training package should be developed to enable all radio amateurs to improve their emergency communication skills. At the last AGM Open Forum, we announced that the board had requested Fred Swainston, VK3DAC, to identify suitable competencies for radio amateurs in emergency communications, initially at a very basic level. Fred's advice was that existing competencies within the Australian vocational education and training system could be applied to amateur radio with minor modification. So in July 2009, we introduced the scheme. Following a significant amount of work, particularly by Fred Swainston and Peter Young, we now have 16 trainers and over 230 people have registered for that training, far more than we ever expected. We're hopeful the training will commence shortly and will be progressively rolled out over the remaining year. The board has also been considering 
what role the WIA should adopt in relation to Wyson. We want to identify a truly meaningful role for the WIA in Wyson, but each different Wyson responds to its own local needs and therefore any future role for the WIA is likely to be limited to what can be done at a national level. On behalf of the board, I'd like to thank all those who contributed to the implementation of the MCOMS training system, whether by encouragement or comment, your input has been most valuable. In particular, I'd like to thank Fred Swainson, of course, for Fred's effort, which is far beyond what could reasonably be expected from anybody, especially a volunteer, and also Ewan McLeod and Peter Young for driving that implementation process forward. Thank you, Phil. VK100WIA, we've just about come to the end of the news already. To, uh, to wrap it up, I think uh, some final words from our president, Michael Owen. Thanks, Graham. There is absolutely no doubt that this weekend has been incredibly successful. 152 people were at the annual general meeting, which is a complete record. The Aris contact was a highlight, as was Dick Smith. The success of this weekend is due to the work of very many people, some of whom we have recognised quite extensively. But it also includes many people from the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club, those who have been taking the time and trouble to uh, provide transport for our very many overseas visitors. To our Secretary, Jeff Atkinson, Treasurer, John Longerow and Sue Bradley, and... Uh, our new manager, Mel Brooks, who have done many tasks over the weekend, including manning the reception desk. To all of you, I think we say thank you. It's been a great weekend. Uh, Graham, I'm not quite sure how this afternoon, lunchtime is going to work with the barbecue and the rain, but uh, I think it was a good idea to come inside for the broadcast. Thank you. Most, most definitely. Thank you, uh, Michael. On behalf of uh, everybody uh, here at the 100th WIA AGM, good morning, and as I always say, walk softly, but today I think uh, a round of applause to uh, Michael and all of the organising committee for the WIA 100th AGM. side.